that hardness of heart. It's like we're all of a sudden our hearts are getting so callous to what's going on in the world and we're inundated with news from all these different places and our hearts get very callous but really what God wants is the poverty and brokenness of ourselves and our world is meant to actually drive us and lead us right into true feelings of mourning and grief. Pain, poverty, sin, and sorrow surround you in this world. It's everywhere, and seeing it so often has likely desensitized you to the needs. In today's message, though, Pastor Daniel wants to rekindle in you the sorrow that Jesus intended those things to evoke. The problems of the world should make you ache. It should make you long for the return of our Savior. God comforts the brokenhearted, so let him then be your solution. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5 with part one of his message, The Beauty of Joy. So one of the things I don't like at all in life is when you think something's going to be one way and then when you get there you find out it's totally different. Do you ever have that experience where you think, okay, this is how it's going to go And then when it goes, you're like, that was not how it was supposed to go, right? It's like, I had a great experience with this. I don't, well, actually, in hindsight, it was really great, and it makes for a great story. But when it happened, it wasn't that great. And so a number of years back, me and a number of friends and pastors, we traveled to uh, Lima, Peru to to do some ministry. And it was one of those things where if you've ever traveled cross-culturally to serve, you always know it's going to be a good trip if everything goes wrong, Right. And so, so sure enough, by the time I land in Lima, I find out that my Facebook account had been hacked and someone was sending emails to everybody who were my friends asking for money because I got arrested or something. And like, even like Lynn gets one of those, which is never a good thing. So my wife's, you know, and, and so, so I get to Lima and I find out this. And so I'm in Peru as well. So it's like, I'm not, I don't have the best access to internet and all these different things. And, and so that's how the trip started. So I knew it was going to be a great time. And so sure enough, we end up doing pastors conferences. And then we were going in the shanty towns outside of Lima and we were bringing bags and rice. It was like almost every day we were like packing bags and rice and we were going door to door, you know, and, and seeing, meeting people in some of the most horrific conditions I'd ever seen in the world. And, you know, just seeing what was going on and trying to minister. And so, and sure enough, by the time we get back, it's towards the end of the week. They're like, you know, now you got to realize like I have a hard enough time speaking English. So my Spanish is terrible. Right. And so every conversation is going through translators and, you know, picking up a couple words here and there. Um, but sure enough, it's like the last night and some of the Peruvian folks who we were serving alongside, they're talking to our host, who's also our translator and they're going back and forth and, and our host keeps going, no, 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 no. 
And, 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 and obviously, you know, that the culture is very passionate. So like a little calm American no isn't going to stop anything, you know? And so sure enough, I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, they want to honor you guys because you're missionaries and pastors. And so they want to honor you. And before he even says another word, I'm like, absolutely. Like, like if they want to honor us, like, that sounds great. And the host is like, no. He's looking at me like, And I'm like, oh, come on. No, no, no. Listen, like, 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 it's okay. Like, and so they're like, we want to give you guys a gift because we want to make you a delicacy that we love in this country. And, and they're like, it's called cooey. And I'm like, oh, cooey, great. Now, for those of you who are laughing, you already know what cooey is. Okay, you guys ready? You're not ready. Everyone just take a big, deep breath. Cooey's guinea pig. And it's like literally like a deep fried flattened out guinea pig. Head, paws. And I remember just being like, oh no. And the host was like, I tried to tell you, Fusco, you know? But, but like, for that culture, like, I was talking to another kid later and he's like, yeah, my, my father raises, like, this is like a delicacy in our country. It's like, it's, it's like, it's one of those foods in Peru that's very, it's an esteemed food. That, that, that most people who live can't eat it. And so he's like, my dad had a, had a guinea pig business because you can make so much money doing it. And so I remember at that point just thinking to myself, okay, well, now I got to eat the guinea pig. You know what I mean? Because it was like a big thing. And so, you know, I did. I did eat the guinea pig. And um, I know you're all wondering how it tasted and you don't want to eat it. You know, like... But it was such like one of those experiences where, you know, like they really wanted to bless us and, and we didn't want to like make a big deal about it. But ultimately you're like, oh, so that's how that works. And so now I've learned that if I'm on the mission field and someone's like, hey, we want to honor you guys with some special food. I was, what is it? You know, <laughs> what do you, you know, and so, so that you don't get stuck in that. Now I, I bring this up for a reason and not just because it's a great story, but I bring this up because. We're doing this series that's called Beautiful, right? And really what we're doing is we're exploring what it means to be a part of God's kingdom or his family. Now, I realize when we start talking about God's kingdom that in our culture, you know, we don't have an affinity for kings because the idea of a king, it always has the connotation, especially uh, with the amount of history that we have, that a king is somebody who is in power, who is absolutely wealthy, taking care of themselves, and everyone else is impoverished, right? But the kingdom of God is wherever God reigns. And the kingdom of God at this juncture reigns in our hearts and the hearts of the people of God. And what Jesus is interested in is God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So it begins with us, the people of God. And let's be honest, it's like God reigning within the people of God. That's a pretty tall order. Because there's a lot of Christianity that you're like, yeah, God's not really reigning right there right now. Although it goes under the name of Christianity. But God has a reign and he's reigning in our hearts and he wants that reign to move through the world. So we're exploring what does it look like within the kingdom of God. And we're seeing these two very famous scriptures. We have the Beatitudes And we have the fruit of the spirit. And both of them are amplifications or enunciations of what it means to live in the kingdom. What does it look like 
If you are a follower of Jesus and God's reign is over your life, this is what your life looks like. So we've been saying that both with the beatitudes, it's not the do attitude. So I'm not trying to guilt anybody into you have to be different. This is actually who we are in Christ if we're walking in the spirit. And who we are in Christ, the quality of the spirit that works in our lives it comes out in the fruit of the spirit. Now, it's interesting. It's just it's a singular fruit, but it's got all these characteristics. And so as a church, this series, we're all memorizing the Beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit, and we're putting them together. And so for this week, we take the second Beatitude and the second fruit of the spirit. Now, I'm going to show them to you in just one moment. You're going to see why my story in the beginning was a perfect story for this. So look at this is Matthew 5 verse 4 and Galatians 5:22. It says it this way, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And then the fruit of the spirit is what? Is joy. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted and the fruit of the spirit is joy. Now, Right up front, you realize we're talking about mourning and joy together. And this is one of those messages that is so provocative because it runs against what our culture says, this is the way to being happy or joyful. It runs so roughshod over the culture's way of how these things happen. And we're going to explore them together. But really what I want to tell you is this. In your life and in this world, there is so much brokenness that joy comes not through a life that doesn't have brokenness. Joy comes from a life that allows God to work through brokenness. And to be honest with you, on the heels of another tragic Shooting at a school. This message means even that much more to us as a people, as a humanity. Because our culture says joy comes from having an absence of struggle. And the Bible says that joy comes as fruit as God works through struggle. And I realize that all of us have different backgrounds and histories, different hurts and issues But the one thing that we always say here is that life is messy for all of us. And Jesus is real in the midst of the mess. This beatitude and this fruit of the spirit as you put them together really brings this home for us. So the other part of this, and I'm going to start it this way, because the beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit, there is also a progression within the beatitudes and a progression within the fruit of the spirit. So they actually are building on one another. So even though I'm going to be taking just the second beatitude and the second fruit of the spirit, I have to reference the ones that came before because you're going to see how they build on one another. So this idea of blessed are those who mourn, or as we've been saying, blessed is, oh, how happy, oh, how fortunate, oh, how lucky are those who mourn. Now, does anyone else say like, are you kidding me, Fusco? You know, like, I know there's some of you like, there ain't, like, serious? Are you really going there? I'm totally going there. Here's how. Check this out. Our poverty leads to mourning. That's the first step. Because what was the first beatitude? Blessed are 
the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? So now I'm saying our poverty leads us to mourning. So the idea here is that it's one thing to see our issues, our spiritual bankruptcy, all the injustices of the world that we live in. And it's one thing to say, yeah, things are messy, but you can very easily have that response, but have a cold heart, a hard heart. Like we get so used to the fact that everything's jacked up, that we know it's jacked up and we don't even notice. Now, this is becoming more and more prevalent in our culture because I remember reading about when the first images of war was on the first set of TV sets during the Vietnam Wars. For many of you, you saw those images. For some of you, you served and those images of the things that you saw in real time. But the American public's response to war on television was so provocative that it literally created a almost instantaneous anti-war movement because it's one thing to have a war going on at a distance and it's another thing seeing it. But now you fast forward 50 years and the amount of violence that the average American sees in a day and we don't even bat an eye to it anymore. It's like we're so used to the fact that everything's messed up. It doesn't even raise your heartbeat a little bit. And that's a problem because the Bible calls that hardness of heart. It's like we're all of a sudden our hearts are getting so callous to what's going on in the world. And we're inundated with news from all these different places and our hearts get very callous. But really what God wants is the poverty and brokenness of ourselves and our world is meant to actually drive us and lead us right into true feelings of mourning and grief. When was the last time that happened for you? See, it shows a hardness of heart if we no longer feel anything. And I'll be honest with you, as I'm even saying that, I'm aware of my own heart hardness. I'm not like burying my head in the sand and not trying to be aware of what's going on, you know, and it's like... I'm inundated every day with another set of stories of another set of tragedies. And there's all these images. And, you know, like if you go on news outlets and their websites, it's like there's so many graphic videos that if you don't not watch those things, we're getting used to seeing people's lives being taken and blood and gore, not just in movies, but in real time, real people. And the poverty that we see no longer is moving us to true feelings of Mourning. And mourning is a powerful emotion. And God wants to do a work in us to keep our hearts soft, even though we are inundated by poverty. Now, I think what's important is, if you recall in the last message, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So entrance into God's kingdom begins with an awareness of our spiritual bankruptcy. And I made the point a lot that if we forget where we've come from, we'll not be able to love people going forward. Like if we forget where we've been, then when we look at someone whose life is busted and broken and mangled, we can't love them because we've taken a position of pride. And so we look down upon them. But there's an old saying that you hear in church that we should love the sinner and hate the sin. How many of you guys have heard that? Amen. How many of you believe that? You should believe that. 
But I want to take it a step further in regards to this beatitude. What if maybe the better step is that you love the sinner and you hate your sin? Do you see how that changes it now? You're not saying, I love everybody and I hate what they do. I love everybody and I hate what I do. Because what it does is if you take that, if you say, my job is to love people and I'm going to do battle against my own brokenness, then as God works in our lives, now all of a sudden things begin to change because now as God's transforming our lives, we become transformational agents in other people's lives because we're doing battle against our own stuff. And really, Jesus' way of transforming the world is transforming one person at a time. See, society changes because large numbers of people change and that movement of transformation changes society. If you read about any revival that has ever happened in any country, bars close down, not because they start to picket bars, but because there is so much less people wanting to drink alcohol. Because when you're in the middle of the presence of God, that doesn't even seem like something that sounds like all that much fun. Because God is changing your life. See, we look at a world, you realize like we have all sorts of problems, whether we look at pornography or sex trafficking. You realize if there was no people willing to pay for sex with another person, there'd be no sex trafficking industry. You realize that. So yes, we try and eradicate people from sexual slavery, absolutely. But at the same time, we realize that because there is a demand, somebody in a fallen world will fulfill the supply. And they'll use all sorts of evil ways to do that. But it reminds you that you have to look at your life. What does your desires, what is it driving in this world? And so this idea that happy is the person who mourns, the idea now is that our spiritual poverty, because we're fighting against a hardness of heart, now all of a sudden it causes a true emotional response of grief in our own hearts. And it reminds me of Psalm chapter 30, verses 4 and 5. It says, sing praises to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, you see how this works now? Because listen, not only does our poverty leave us to mourning, it's not about God wants you to be sad and grief-stricken all the time, but God then comforts the brokenhearted. Because that's what it says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the first step is our poverty leads to mourning. Now the second step is God comforts the brokenhearted. So, God doesn't want you to stay stuck in mourning because mourning leads to comfort. Do you see how that works? And this is how God begins to leverage. This is how he leverages the brokenness of the world because it begins with a soft heart that is broken for what we see and then it drives us into the arms of the Lord and then the Lord brings comfort to the people whose hearts are broken. And this is how God can redeem even the most horrific situations. He doesn't need the horrific situations to bring comfort, but once mourning happens, happy, oh, how fortunate is the person whose heart is soft that mourns at the brokenness of the world, and then God comes and he 
comforts the brokenhearted. And for many of us who walk through tragedy, severe tragedies, if you walk with the Lord in the midst of it, what happens? You start to realize that God brings comfort. Now, don't get me wrong. And this is real, isn't it? I've always said that I wish that God could teach me the biggest lessons without the biggest heartaches, but it's never the case. So God takes the worst things and his comfort transforms the worst things. See, if you think about it, the greatest tragedy in history was the cross of Jesus Christ. And God also leveraged it to become the greatest triumph in history. Although the disciples wept at the death of Jesus, the joy was unspeakable at the resurrection. I think for some of us hearing this right now, you're stuck on step one. And I think you're here today because God wants to take you to the second step. Some of us are still living in the tragedy. And even though God is seeking to comfort you, you're unwilling to let him right now. And I feel safe saying that because when my mother passed away, I was in that spot where God was seeking to do a restorative and a resurrection work in my life. But I was unwilling because I was still so hurt. See, God's a great physician. He's a good doctor. And really what God wants to do is a good doctor doesn't impose himself on you. He says, this is the treatment that I would like to give you. Will you allow me to do it? I just went to the doctor the other day. I was talking about not going to the doctor last week and was convicted about that because I knew I needed to go. And the doctor was like, well, this is what I want to do. Does that sound good? And I'm like, well, is there any other way? And he's like, no, this is pretty much the way to do that. And I'm like, okay, you know? And I think for some of us right now, it's like, I think for some of you, for the folks who are hearing this, who this is you right now, you know that God's trying to comfort you. He's bringing people around you who care about you, who want to help you. You're hearing the word right now. And there's that part of you that's like, yeah, I totally need this. God wants to comfort you. See, God's comfort doesn't change the tragedy. He changes you through the tragedy. Like, I remember when my mother passed away, someone said, Daniel, listen, you know, time heals all wounds. Don't ever say that to somebody. Can I just tell you that? Because time doesn't heal all wounds. Time makes those wounds feel normal. Jesus heals wounds. Does that make sense? You just, like, you got hurt. Like, time makes that wound not be like, man, that's a fresh one. You know what I mean? Like, look at that, man. That thing's still mangled. It's like the scar tissue grows over time. But time doesn't heal it. Time just makes that wound like, oh, yeah, I remember when I got that back in the day. But Jesus heals. Jesus is Time doesn't heal wounds, only Jesus does. That's the message that Pastor Daniel wanted to share with you today. The world is filled with sorrow and tragedy, and though you may have grown desensitized to it, it's likely you've experienced heartache as well. Today, let Jesus expose those wounds, painful as they may be, and soften your heart. But let him be the one to comfort, heal, and renew you from the inside out. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share the next step to this beatitude, joy. That doesn't seem to fit with mourning, but with Jesus, it works. Jesus takes your mourning and comforts you and then opens your heart and your eyes to how he sees the world. That can give you hope in the midst of sorrow and a joy that just can't be explained except by the power and grace of Jesus, your Savior. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Beautiful. Till then, may God bless.